Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Your Thoughts First. Happy Mon- Oh wait, no, I messed up already. If you know me, that's not surprising. Procrastination is just in my- in my blood, I don't know what to tell you. The reason this episode is coming out today, not Monday, like it was supposed to, was because this weekend I actually got to graduate. I graduated from my undergrad last year and am working on finishing my master's. I still have two more classes this summer for my capstone, but they allowed me to walk for both my master's and my undergrad that I completed last year. And I didn't get a chance to finish editing because I was busy spending time with my family and friends and the weekend got away from me. So sorry about that. Next week, we're back to Monday. My guest this week is Jerrica Handy. She's incredible. She's an inspirational and very influential woman. I was so lucky to meet her. A couple years ago, actually three years ago, in Oklahoma, when I was visiting for a school function with WVU, we were doing a joint project with Oklahoma, Oklahoma University, and it was great. We've stayed in touch. We've we actually have similar friends. Our circle of friends have actually met in different ways, and we've both visited each other's hometowns uh, multiple times. I've been back to Oklahoma. She's actually come over and visited West Virginia. She's a great person. I'm really excited to share her story, her perspective, and this incredible brand, Swift Enough. I'm going to let her explain it in the episode. It's great. You're going to love this episode. I know it's a little bit longer, but I try to. I, I couldn't cut anything out. It was Everything was really good. I hope you all like it. And again, I'll see you next Monday. All right, well, welcome back, everyone, to Your Thoughts First. This week, I'm joined with one of my very good friends, Jerrica, all the way from Oklahoma. We met... Uh, was it two years ago? I think was that has it been two years or is it three? Is it? I think we're approaching three. Yeah, approaching That's three. Wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We met at a uh, video workshop. Both of us are in the media journalistic business. Um, I'm more in advertising, and Jericho's out there changing the world. I'm more of just I'm making dumb ads for people to click on on Facebook. Yeah, we met uh, for a week. Learned a lot of different stuff about journalists in the real world and stuff. And uh, we also worked a little bit on an incarceration project uh, for the women behind bars. And yeah, and she actually did come to visit us. That was last year. And yeah, that was last year. That was, yeah, yeah, it was. So we both visited each other's hometowns. I've been to Oklahoma. And what did you think growing up over out Midwest versus coming over here to the mountains, the mountain state? Um, I think you said the hilliest place you went was what, Arkansas? I think that was your answer. Just about in terms of in the United States, Arkansas, for sure, you know, as you get more in the, what is it, Southeast area, um, you see those hills really come out behind the trees and the clouds. And yeah, it was, yeah, it's the closest I've seen, but it had, I mean, the hills in Arkansas, yeah, have still have nothing on those West Virginia hills. Like, I mean, we're in the car and I felt like one bad move and you're about to, you know, you're going over, but beautiful sight. And I, I, I gained a greater appreciation, I think, for the outdoors coming there. Yeah. I, and, and I think the first time I came to Oklahoma, I don't know if I told you this, but I've told a lot of people when I came back, Oklahoma was the first place I've been that had the tornado safe zone uh, really? signs like on buildings. I was like, what do you mean a tornado? Yeah, because well, in West Virginia, the mountains kind of keep like they kind of funnel out. So I've never had to worry about a tornado. And I remember we were in Oklahoma and it was so flat. And like, how many tornadoes have you lived through, like, or seen or even, yeah, experienced? I mean, I feel like I could probably say like 10. None that were um, extremely violent, but 
a lot of them. It was. I've gotten you know close to being scared that it would hit. Tulsa's a lot. Well, Oklahoma City's more flat than Tulsa, but um, we still don't have very many hills where I live. Um, so I think we're protected by that. And then there's like this big like reservoir, like body of water that's nearby too. And I think it works as like a blockade that you may know. I don't really know how that science works, but um, yeah, I think it helps. But yeah, never been in a crazy bad one, thankfully. Again, I've never, never seen one. And so it's just like the fact that even is like 10. Yeah, yeah. I remember just like, yeah, what do, you, what do you mean? It's like, whatever. But I, I think the weirdest, the worst we had was like, we had a, like a duration. It was like, we had a terrible rainstorm and it knocked out power in West Virginia everywhere, but not a tornado. And it was just like, Different ball. I think there might have been one a couple years ago in Charleston, but I was in. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Nowadays, I don't know. It was snowing last week. I don't know. <laughs> it was. It, yeah, it was snowing on. It was like bright and. Yeah, it's the weather's weird now, but but you know, but global warming is not real. You know, you know, according to Ted Cruz, global warming. <laughs> and Mr. Cruz, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other different thing. We could go on a different, yeah, we could make this political and just go on a whole different rant, but we're not. Yeah. This is- we could have another three hour podcast for that. It would take up three hours to talk about that. Just on Ted Cruz. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just on Ted Cruz. But in this past year though, how have you, um, how have you been like personally, like what is this last year kind of made you feel, you know, from the start? Cause it's been about, I think it's April now. So yeah, a little bit more than a year is from when I think everything started to hit the fan as they would say. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, before 2020 took a nosedive. Well, over the past year or so, I think is, I think it's, I've been in a, a phase of just growing, a phase of learning and unlearning behaviors that I think, you know, either benefit me or take away from my positive progress um, and learning what practices work best for my mental health, physical and spiritual health, actually. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely been a very difficult time with a lot of the, you know, human rights violations that we've seen, being a Black woman, seeing countless Black people be murdered at the hands of police, um, climate change. I mean, there's a number of things that have happened and, um, I think I'm doing my very best every day to try to stay uplifted, try to do a few things like, like keep my mental, like keep my sanity. Um, but I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning what works for me. And I think it, it, it started definitely when the pandemic hit, I think we all began to grab for things that could bring us joy and things that could keep us grounded in times of so much uncertainty yeah, the past year or so has been a, a lot of learning for me and, and figuring out, you know, where do I want to go in the future? How am I going to get there? How can I bring people along with me, you know, um, in terms of building your tribe and friendships and, you know, who's going to be in your corner? It's a lot of, I've been looking at all parts of my life and figuring out, you know, what works best for me and, and for carving out the life that I want to live in the midst of all the chaos. So I'm doing a lot of internal work and then also looking outwardly as well to see, you know, how can I best respond to a lot of the horrific things that I see um, 
while taking action and also paying attention to my own health too in the meantime, not letting it fully suck me in. Yeah. And I know that that's something that for me, I don't even think I was really aware of because I think, I don't know, this is just for me that when the pandemic happened, it, you know, it, the world did kind of stop, you know, a lot of things that were worried, you know, about next week, next month, you know, next one on, like at the time I was worried about just finishing school and then going off. I was graduating. Like I had plans. I was going to go off to, you know, do this, that, and and then everything just, no. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah. Did you think that maybe like the pandemic kind of, it put, it put a roadblock, not a roadblock. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess a roadblock, but in a way it kind of allowed you to kind of focus on what was important of what was in immediately because nothing else was going on. You know, I think we're always looking to the future, but the pandemic did kind of provide the insight of like, the only thing that matters is like, you know, we all have to survive this humongous thing that we're all dealing with. And it kind of did put in perspective what was important in life and what isn't. Yeah, completely. I think that a lot of the times we can build out these highly structured, robust five-year plans, you know, and, us graduating or, you know, being in school last spring and figuring out, you know, what comes next. Um, I think for me, definitely, I had to re-examine a few things and reevaluate, you know, what would be my next steps. And it was such a difficult time, though. You feel like you're just swimming in the dark (laughs) and not really knowing what happens. You know, you get an email one day and they're like, oh, you're going home. And you're like, hmm, I haven't been home in four years. And the last thing I know of, you know, from that time was, you know, high school things, which high school is just a completely different ballgame from college. So it was definitely emotionally taxing. Um, And it took me a minute to figure out, you know, how am I going to respond to the moment? One thing that has been very beneficial for me to hear, I listened to this TED Talk um, from Stacey Abrams, the queen that she is. She was just talking about, you know, the trials and tribulations that we all go through. And she's like, you know, it's okay to have setbacks as long as they don't set you back um, for a long period of time. And it spoke to me in a way because, you know, we're all going to have these situations where we feel as though we're swimming in the dark and we can't get out. But with time and through patience and um, through that, like, self-perseverance, there's light at the end of the tunnel even if it doesn't come when you expect it to. But that's her words are words I've been hanging on to for a while now. It's just feeling as though I'm going to get to the spot that I want to be as long as I keep holding on. And as long as I keep really just trying my best, even if my best means that I sit in my bed all Sunday or all, or all weekend, even a day throughout the week, whatever. If I'm giving myself and honoring my bond boundaries and giving myself that rest to be able to do good work, you know, whenever that comes into play. I've been trying to stay productive and trying to keep moving forward. That's really all I can do at this point. Um, And take advantage of the things I can control. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think, I mean, I think everyone kind of gets to that point. I think, and I hope, hopefully more people as like time goes on, they kind of recognize that self because it is an individual thing. You know, you have to do what's best for you. But a lot of us, you know, with social media and, you know, the media and everything, you know, this kind of version of what we're expected to to society, you know, go get graduate college, go get married, have kids. You know, there, there I think there is a certain 
kind of idea that we're in our head is supposed to be obtained. And if we don't go about it the traditional way or in the correct time frame, you know, we do feel kind of separated from the pact. But I mean, as you say, I mean, and I think that's something that the pandemic showed us was that it doesn't matter, like life's going to hit us, you know, I think for some people, it's the pandemic was a good wake up call of like life where everyone is like, no, we all have the same, you know, that happened, you know, that life changed whatever course we were going on it did and and I think it was a good practice because I mean think about it life's never going to be easy you know there's going to be other things I doubt the pandemic is going to be the worst thing that happens within our I mean we're, we're 20 we're yeah we're in our 20s you don't think anything else is terrible is going to happen we can pray but we got a life to live ahead of us and the best thing about I think being this age is you know time being on your side and you know, you fuck up, you fuck up. I hope I can cuss on this podcast, but uh, hell yeah, you can. Okay, wonderful. Um, and if that's the case, you know, you get yourself together and you keep marching on. You know, it's easier said than done, but that's the whole thing that I have been, you know, emphasizing when I speak to my friends about conversations of, you know, I want to get here's point A, and I want to get to point B. How can I get there? You know, it's going to be a very individual journey and it won't look like anyone else's and you know considering our society is so highly connected through social media i think it's hard for some people to not compare um their lives to others and i think that's what gets people a little you know off their path and i hate that because i think we're all guilty of it but yeah you just got to stay true to what life is offering you and 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 figure it out on the way but you can't put too much pressure on yourself It'll eat you up. Exactly. There's some that I've been recently. I don't know. There, she's she's really popular on Instagram, so you may have seen her. Her name. She's the holistic psychologist. I uh, think her so. name's Doctor Nicole Lapera. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so she. I think she got famous through like kind of social media networking and stuff. But she came out with a book called How to Do the Work, um, recognizing your patterns and learning to self heal. And so she's all about self heals. And it's just, the reason I bring it up is because you're talking about a lot of things that that she talks about in her book that I'm just now discovering. <laughs> Um, as far as learning boundaries and stuff that, you know, all of our thoughts are valid, but how we choose to react is our own kind of, you know, it's like, that's what we have control of. Like our, we, we don't have to give our thoughts a lot or an overwhelming amount of power because it's, you know, our thoughts are not reality, but because of external factors internally and, or things that have happened because of our experiences or childhood, we, we think they are, and we think that we don't, and, and unless we fully kind of understand, you know, why we're feeling these things and learn how to regulate our emotions and thoughts, then they'll, they'll eat us up, like you said. And so if you if you feel comfortable talking about this, what what were some ways when you when the pandemic first started happening that you kind of learned, you know, where your boundaries were, or where you kind of had to, you know, oh, I'm, I'm having a bad day. Let, let me get out of this. Was there, did you reach out to someone? Did you find activities? Did you do some research, read books? I mean, how does someone, you know, if they maybe want to start checking in on themselves a little bit better. What what are some steps that you started to do that you found really beneficial? Yeah. When the pandemic first hit, well, so we're all homebound, right? So I can't escape if for any reason I needed to break away from some people and yeah, I'd have my own space. I some of the first things I did, one would be meditate. I think meditation is super healing very restorative and it takes your mind you know a time to quiet your mind from all the noise of the world I found to be so powerful and I started with searching for guided meditation videos on YouTube 
videos from like trusted healers I feel like you know put good energy out into the world and I just you know get in a quiet space I do it at a time where I feel like there wasn't very much street noise and stuff so just minimal distractions and listen to you know a meditation that I feel like could quiet my mind down and center me ground me in the moment and get me focusing on attracting positive thoughts like to myself and like good energy I still feel so strange saying it because you know things that you can't actually see it's hard to believe that they're actually there but the vibrational forces and like attracting actual like good energy to you it's crazy how like your your mind can be a part of that but also just like speaking out into existence um and how all that stuff works but yeah but meditation was really really helpful and doing you know, even if it was like five to 10 minutes, I would carve out like 30 minutes of like some good alone time, like self-care where I felt like I didn't have my phone distracting me. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to you know, break out of it or think I would do it in a, t- I would do it in a moment where I felt like I was in a good headspace to do it. Mm. So I could actually follow through with it. Um, and then I started to read books a lot too. Once I feel like expanded my knowledge on certain things just so I could break away from a screen. And then I also love crystals. I love the healing powers of crystals and ones that I could take homogen, you know, for certain emotions that I have, mental clarity, strength and determination. If I was feeling creative, any type of thought that would pop into my mind, I feel like I need a little more of a push. Um, I needed something to help center my focus on a certain like task. I would go pull a crystal and I just keep it on me for the whole day. And it just helped really like center my mind on one particular thing. And I think also being grateful was a huge thing for me. You saw so much human loss at the start of the pandemic. And that was really hard on me. My dad's a surgeon, so he works at a hospital and could see some of these things firsthand, would speak to some of his surgeons from across the country and stuff. That was just the you know the commonality between all of these hospitals and you know there was just so much loss of life and I could see it on his face when he came home so it just made me think you know I need to be waking up and saying like what am I grateful for today like how can I remind myself you know I am so fortunate to be here and I wake up and you know I try to have like a saying or something that I can remind myself of pretty easily and I just feel like thank you universe for waking me up giving me another opportunity to give back to this world with words of love, positivity, and enlightenment. I'd say that every morning and then I write my little gratitude list. So yeah, I do that too. And then I'd like to journal. Journaling is really cool for me too. Script writing, writing in that present tense voice and saying like, I am doing such and such and just kind of structuring my day so that when I step into the day, I get out of bed. I know exactly the type of day I'm trying to cultivate. And I think the grouping of all of those things helped me get to the point that I'm in right now and implementing them on a regular basis. Even if I would skip a few days or would go like five to six days in between, I knew I had a list of things that I know could get me back on the path I wanted to be on. And yeah, for the most part, those are it. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I, I think there's two things that stood out to me. Well, one, you're, you're doing one of the things that in, in this book I'm talking about, again, I think this is so, I think it's so cool that like you kind of came to this realization. It's just like, I'm just now learning about all this. But you know, what you did in a sense where uh, in the book that I was referring to earlier, what um, 
she talks about a lot is making these small daily promises to yourself to build those consistent habits, you know, as far as like, I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink more water day. I'm going to actively like try to drink water. You know, it's something small. It doesn't have to, it, it doesn't have to be a big, you know, thing um, like that. But, you know, but it's the consistency. And then, like you said, you know, she also says, you know, if you're going to, f- you're going to fall off, you know, you're not going to do everything every single day, but that's okay. You know, it's like the fact that you're putting in the effort, making the conscious, your, the awareness to do it and like put in that effort does go a long way. And also, I mean, even just with the meditation, I think that's a, that's a good example as far as kind of what I think is interesting of what I, what I hope for, I hope as people, more and more people, you know, including you know, this podcast, as far as normalizing the conversation of mental health, I mean, car, I mean, carving out 30 minutes for meditation, that's no different than going on a 20 minute run or exercising like that. I think, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on our physical health, but it doesn't take that much effort also to take care of our mental health. And it's just as important <laughs> because, you know, if one deteriorates, you know, your, your body's not going to fully function. It's, it's, it's very important to, I think, and it's like, and it's, again, it's those small things, you know, it could just be, if you look at it again, from a health thing, drinking water does help you because you're hydrated and a little bit more clear. And if you meditate, have that space for yourself, you do kind of like have that structure and you're, you're focusing on something the same way that you would lift, lift a weight or, you know, go on a run. You're focusing on something that's not, you know, whatever the daily stresses are. Would you say the first time you meditated, it was easy or was it really, or did, you know, keep your mind focused or did it take practice to get it down? Like it definitely took practice. It's like, just like you said, it's like an exercise. Like, even if you feel like it's just in your mind, I mean, you're training your brain to do a certain task anyway. I think they say in order to pick up a habit, it takes like, like 30 days, like 26 days or something in a row to do it. I think, you know, that's also flexible. It's like, it's just over a certain amount of time you train your mind, you train your body to to even gravitate towards certain tasks because you know you're going to feel good when you do it. Like, I know I can go a whole week and I'm like, damn, I haven't meditated. I haven't journaled. I haven't done, I've done zero of the things I know can make me feel good. And I feel that thing. So what do I do? Move towards a thing that I feel like will uplift my spirits. But it takes time. Yeah, it does. It takes time and the consistency because you don't see it. I mean, I don't think you woke up one day. I was like, oh, I'm fixed. I'm fixed of all, <laughs> all my problems. It took, you know, it's a constant daily thing. You know, it's the same thing with like your health. If you just... If you got in really good shape and then stopped working out and started eating a bunch of junk food or fast food, you get out of shape. You know, it's the same thing, I think, with your mental health. It's, it does take heart. You know, it takes practice and consistency. But it is beneficial in the long run to, you know, once you start implementing those small things. It could just be meditation. It could just be reading. It could be journaling. And I think there's a lot of different activities that you can do to get started because it doesn't have to be difficult. Like, like you said, I don't think anything that you talked about was anything that hard for that a normal person couldn't start doing tomorrow the hardest part is getting started it's the hardest part just getting just doing it getting in there and getting into the habit of it that's so true well just well that's a good great pivot for just going and doing it you just went you and your brother just went and started a brand a very a very cool and trendy brand where I I remember I remember seeing on Instagram when it launched. It was only it's only about a year old, right? Was it 2020 when you officially launched in March, right? Mm-hmm. March. Yeah, April. about March. Mm-hmm. Where did that did that idea start? Where Where did that idea come from? Have you always kind of you know had of you know to be a business owner? You know where did where, where did Swift Enough kind of come from? So I guess I can start with the name. My dad wrote a book on his life based off of his trials and tribulations that he went through coming from an impoverished town in Arkansas. He pretty much wrote out, you know, his book and his life through um, a book called Swift Enough to Endure. And so we essentially 
borrowed the title from his book, shortened it, and then turned it into our lifestyle uh, wellness company because it's so much so centered around a lot of the practices that him and my mom implemented when they were on the come up, trying to, you know, achieve their dreams while keeping their sanity and focusing on their holistic remedy for being a um, mentally sound, um, you know, people that are in tune with their wellness habit. And so in the book, he described a lot of the things that he went through and both my parents are very young. And so when they first got together, they didn't know they were doing this at the time, but something they both enjoyed doing was just using the power of, you know, manifestation and the power words of affirmation, the power behind all of that to really cultivate the life that they wanted to live um, while breaking through all these barriers that they had coming from a town that was continuously being disinvested from and stuff like that. So me and my brother, you know, we're three years apart, but we're very close. And with that comes all the things that we have had to endure while living in a majority white town in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And throughout our experience here, we had to do a lot of deep digging of figuring out how we want to present ourselves to the world and being comfortable with our own identities. Are the minority and a large majority white town, it's so easy being made to feel as though you are not normal and that everything that we bring to the table is less than and it knocked on our mental a lot, a lot, a lot um, for both me and him. And so, you know, I can speak to my experience being the only black girl in my class from like third, I'd say to like sixth grade. And then from there, it got a little bit better. I had a lot of trouble, like feeling like I was just an other all the time. And so as a little kid that knocks that, I mean, it definitely knocks on your self-esteem and it makes you question yourself way too often for no reason, you know, at that young age. And so I struggled a lot with my mental health when I was younger. Um, I had a lot of very sad nights feeling like, oh, they don't like me, one of those. Um, I was a very involved kid. And so I was a part of a lot of activities, but I never really had a solid group of friends. I was the one that was always kind of jumping around. I don't feel like any, anyone ever wanted to like fully invest in me. And I feel like I could feel that from some time. For some time. And so, yeah, so I spent a lot of moments in the bathroom crying, feeling like I was not up to par or on the same level as a lot of people. And then my senior year of high school, I just made a massive jump, but this is what I feel like really set off my oppression. I had befriended someone who was just very toxic to, you know, my life. And that relationship was just something. You know, the friendship was just very, very um, something negative that entered my life. And it it skyrocketed all of the um, feelings of depression and sadness that I had. And I was working through that on my own. I didn't feel like I had a solid group of people to rely on. Although I felt like it was my, like, it was my problem to deal with, it would have been nice to have people who I felt like were fully in my corner and could understand what depression actually feels like and what it encompasses. Cause I couldn't, I, no one, there wasn't anyone that I could confide in that I felt like understood my plight at the time. 
they either were like, what is, what is this? I don't really get it. What do you mean? And that was just on the friendship side. And then, you know, I think there's still that stigma within the Black community as well, not recognizing depression for what it is and actually affirming the experiences of um, suffering from mental health. So I feel like for a long time, I didn't really have very many people to lean on. So with that in mind, coming up with this business idea, you know, the pandemic hit, I was like, mental health and keeping ourselves sane during this time is going to be crucial. And my brother felt the same way. You know, Swift Enough was born out of our interest of creating a community around mental health and around having, you know, the mental, physical, and spiritual well-being and having that be the core. Finding that soul-centered wellness is a thing that pulled me out of my rut um, and it has positively contributed to my brother's life as well in certain circumstances. And so Swift Enough came about just out of our interest of building community and making sure people had places to go to heal, to discover self-care practices and find what works for them. One of you know, the core tenets of our business, or I guess our mission, is to help give, pe- give folks a better tomorrow um, and finding strength through connection. I think, you know, we're both from the journalism storytelling background. Uh, me and my brother both value storytelling and, and, and hearing about people's stories and what helps them get out of bed every day. Because as much, you know, research you can do about depression and like what to do, I definitely think hearing and seeing people's faces and figuring out, oh, that worked for them. Like, you know, maybe that could work for me. And and a lot of the stories that we hope to publish in the future and a lot of the, the uh, resources that we hope to provide, we want them to be very human-centered and people-focused. So you see someone using a certain tool or resource for to better their mental health. But then coupled with that is also their story of how they've actually implemented it in their daily life. And so our How They Heal series is a big way that we try to show that. That's pretty much like how we got started. It's like, you know, we need a community really badly when we were younger and we felt like we didn't really have it. And so the good thing about social media is it's a good way to build a platform where people can come and exchange ideas. And our biggest hope is that, you know, maybe someone will come see someone else's story and then think twice about their own lives and figure out a way to better themselves and hopefully pass information along or invite them to my community and, and we'll make it a big party of healing and self-discovery. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think I can relate to a lot of that. I think that's partially where this, where this idea came from for doing this podcast, because I know just from my personal experience, you know, it's what the stigma is behind in, you know, having a mental health problem or seeking out, seeking out help. I had been to, I've been to therapy before, but you know, prior to going, I didn't, think of it as like a normal like I was like well I didn't have a mental breakdown like I'm not like no one died in my life like it's like what do what do I have to be sad about what is yeah what what like I don't have any mental health problems it was like a an awakening in a sense where it's just like because I did feel so much better once I like talked to someone I realized it wasn't just it was because like the way I I I saw it in a movie but your inner thoughts are like you're in an empty house and you're walking down a staircase only to end up at the top, right back at the top of the staircase. And it's never ending. The house is echoey. It says it over and over and over. You're going to keep walking up and down the stairs until you realize, you know, you're not alone in that house or there's someone outside on that door. You know, the doorbell rings, maybe your phone goes off or something. But 
that that place is very lonely because for the time where however long it may be for you that moment or moments feel like an eternity yeah and it's it's a dark and lonely place and but but just I mean as you were talking about not able fitting in and having things with self-identity growing up I was I was similar both me and my sister were adopted um and I remember specifically there was one time I think I was in third or fourth grade I was really young we were going outside for recess. I was at some after school program. And one of my friends who was in my grade, you know, asked me, he said, he said Matt, where, where are you from again? And he said, Oh, Guatemala. And this bigger kid who was, I think, in fifth or sixth grade turned around. I was like, What'd you say? You say guacamole? And, <laughs> and, and at the time, I didn't, I didn't like, I, it just, I, I felt like small and I just like, did I say something wrong? And so for a long time, I did tell people I was from Mexico just because it was easier for me as a kid to just say Mexico over Guatemala and not have to explain what Guatemala was and stuff. And I was, and I was ashamed a lot for, you know, being Hispanic and, you know, being in West Virginia, not really having like a lot of like Latin culture influences in my life. And it caused me to be very closed off to talk about where I was from or being adopted. And, you know, it's like, now I'm proud, you know, my birth name is Valdo Mendoza. Like I'm from Guatemala. I'm naturally tan. Like, yes. It's all about pride about who you are and like, because you, you can't change who you are. It's like, you are who you are. I was so uncomfortable talking about who I was as a person, you know, I, it, it caused me to be kind of self-isolated and not, you know, not knowing, but now that I've started to, you know, be proud of who I am or where I come from, it's like, it does feel, it's rewarding because it's like, it's me. It's like, I am who I am. And it's just like, despite, you know, I'm not exactly what, what someone's image has of, you know, what they think I should be or shouldn't be, you know, that's, that's their problem. You know, it's. But it, it does take time, you know, and kind of to build that confidence and understanding of who you are. And with your brand, as far as what you're talking about is kind of finding that community of self-healers is that, you know, as we were talking before I started recording, as far as we all have similar thoughts. And I think that's something important that everyone should know that you're not alone in your thoughts, no matter how, how hard it gets. who you are or anything like that. People are, f- yeah, how hard it gets or how hard it's not been. You could, I mean, you know, I, I often look at it, I think of like having a bad, like a bad day, a bad mental health day is like having like a flat tire. Flat tire sucks. It's going to be pretty, it's, it's rough, but here's my um, remedy for that. You know, a flat tire, it doesn't, you don't have to have a flat tire. There's things you can do. You can be alert while you're driving. You can check your air pressure more regularly. You can also, yeah, be aware if your, your car beeps, you know, if that you have low air pressure, things like that, being aware, but also know that there's like resources you know AAA or you know sheets our local gas station that we have there there's free air for your tires that's not advertised but i mean same thing with like mental health there's a lot of resources and you know that are are free that are available that people just don't know about and they should and and to that and to also that point changing a flat tire is a lot easier if you have someone to help you sure is. i don't know how to learn but oh <laughs> but yeah but i mean that's my point is that like you know you may be someone who never has changed a tire. You may be someone who's never experienced a, a bad day or a really bad mental health day. And, you know, sometimes you do need to call on a friend or, you know, call a family or call AAA, an expert, you know. It's like, but you have to, you know, it's, you have to recognize that situation is that you, it's okay. It's okay to reach out for help. It's so okay. And w- where does someone start if they're kind of in that kind of mental inner thought, you know, the repeating cycle of negative thoughts kind of thing? Should it start with, you know, maybe talking to a friend or like, where, where does someone start if they, if they start to feel like they're in that inner cycle of feeling like alone in their thoughts? 
I'd say, you know, if you are in a phase of struggling with, or not a phase, it's always an ongoing process dealing with mental health and, and dealing with just the numerous barriers that we all will eventually face. But for someone, you know, if you're looking for help of any sort, I think it starts with, you know, one of the best investments you can make is an investment in yourself. So if you have a moment where you're able to look around you, look in your contacts maybe, and look at the resources that are at your disposal, I think it just starts with reaching out and making sure you're communicating with someone about how you're feeling. Even if you feel like it might be difficult or you feel like they don't care, you know, I just encourage anyone to push aside those emotions because you are in this world for a reason. There's people on this earth that love and care for you. So take advantage of that um, because they don't know unless they know. And so I think first steps, you know, reaching out to someone and, and letting them know like, hey, I'm struggling and just being real about it and owning it. Um, because first of all, yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all just trying to do our best and make it through each day? So yeah, when reach out to someone, someone you trust, a trusted ally, friend, someone who can that you could trust with that personal information. And then, you know, I go to therapy. I love therapy. Anytime I, you know, meet someone, they say, I'm looking for a therapist or I just started therapy. Like I could talk about it all day. I feel like it has helped me through so many tough situations, just speaking to a licensed professional. So I think that's step two. It's going to be leaning into someone that is an expert in the field of working through, you know, mental hardships and working through those situations and finding the person that can meet your needs best. And um, I always say it's almost like shopping for a you know, a, par- a partner in a way. Like you want to make sure you click. You want to make sure those vibes and energy match. So, yeah, finding someone that you ma- that you um, really uh, vibe with, um, but is you know has gone to school for this and, and is someone that you can um, trust can help you through some things. Last thing I can say, you know, nourishing yourself with little nuggets of things that can help you get through whatever you know rough patch you're going through if that's making sure you eat you know three meals a day or you're snacking throughout the day nourishing yourself with water taking carving out time in your day for yourself if you already feel like you want to be more isolated you know I understand that when you're going through things you don't want to be bothered but in that isolation like find time to love on yourself so get you a good bubble bath or do some meditation there's these things called mind tapes that you can find on YouTube that um, you can listen to a track of just positive affirmations and you turn on this mind tape and you can speak and these people like will speak positive words of affirmation over yourself and you can listen to this while listen to that while you sleep. So, you know, there's a number of different things that you can definitely do, but I think just loving on yourself as much as you can, leaning into your emotions, letting yourself feel whatever you're feeling so that you can better explain to someone else, you know, this is what I'm going through and put it into words so they can know how to help you from there. I think that's all really, really good advice. It's kind of whatever, whatever you feel you need, you know, I think, I know for me, I think during the start of the pandemic, I did kind of 
I kind of got in the routine of just kind of doing what I need to do because I really wasn't trying to like, you know, we were just trying to stay safe at that time, you know, last year. And I think the problem with that was that, yeah, I got in the habit of, you know, kind of self-isolating. Another portion of this, which what started was when I was 15, yeah, I was 15, I got to go to South Africa and that was the year, I think it was like the month after like Nelson Mandela had just died. Um, so the country was in a very, very weird, content and also grieving state because they knew the impact that he, he had left and they were proud of it, but they were also very deeply saddened by his his loss. But one thing that was taught, you know, when we were talking about Nelson Mandela, that one thing that he, that, that he talked about a lot, but it's also in South African philosophy was called Ubuntu, which means I am because you are. Or people are not people without people, and so I was. I remember. I remember learning about that so vividly when I visited, and I saw it there because that people. There's such a benefit when we just like learn to you know kind of interconnect with each other. Because I mean, we're not all going to have the same opinions or thoughts, but I think we can learn to accept one another and also value our own each and um, our each and own like well-being. I watched a TED talk about a guy who knew Nelson Mandela who said that you know he's talking about in the whole Ubuntu philosophy that, you know, our individual well-being is deeply connected to the well-being of others. Yes, community care. When we're well, yes, more of us can be well. Exactly. And I mean, and yeah, and I think you're kind of doing that with, with Swift enough, right? That you're kind of just, you know, it's like if we're all going to be, you know, or if I'm going to be good, I want to share with you. You know, it's just, you know, it's like I want to have the same benefit of that. And it's like building this community of like, you know, kind of pushing, you know, it's like having a strength and weaknesses versus being competitive of like, oh, who has the coolest Instagram picture versus like, let's all like do something cool together. <laughs> Am I right? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's not about the likes, not about the followers. For us, our point of focus is the mission and the message and the amount of people that we can touch. You know, obviously we want more people to have access and knowledge of wellness resources however you know yeah we don't let that drive us if we feel like there's more people reaching out to us saying hey i just i just bought my first crystal like what should i do like that's what we like people feeling like we are arming and equipping them with the resources to self-care and do it on their own you know like we are just a starting platform but then from there you take the knowledge and you implement it in your own life and let us know how you're doing. You know, when people are doing well, that is what makes us feel so awarded at the end of the day, knowing that more people feel more equipped to get through their day and they feel like they have the resources to do that. No, absolutely. And what did your, I mean, what did your family, what did your parents think when you, when you and your brother started this um, as far as kind of, I mean, like you said, kind of based on what they taught you, you know, kind of growing up and what you kind of saw based on their experiences, were they proud in a sense that you kind of transcended their ideas even more so? Because you kind of took it to the next level in a sense where it's like they had the seed and you and your brother kind of just, you're growing on it. I think they're definitely proud. And I think it, it helps that we're all motivated by one another. My parents like used to write down all of their goals. We didn't know what they were doing at the time, which is crazy, but like they would have like vision boards and imagery before we even had language around manifestation and like words, affirmation and like all these things, they would just do it themselves. And so I, yeah, I, d I definitely think they're, well, 
I know they are proud of us and look forward to seeing the growth of the brand as, you know, they look forward to seeing like us grow as the brand grows too and seeing us learn from, you know, I I didn't major in business, like my brother didn't major in business. It's very new for us and we're learning every single day, but um, you see the impact, you know, as it comes and I'm really happy to know we have their backing and I'm happy to know that the story is very much so interconnected with how we were brought into this world. Speaking us into existence was something too. My mom knew she wanted to have, you know, two kids. She wanted them spaced out three years apart. She knew the type of life that she wanted us to be able to live and they made it happen. And I think they are living physical beings of you know you can manifest the life you want to live and the fruits of your label labor will be shown you know but it takes time for sure it took them time it's it's really nice having proximity to them and 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 being able to rely on them for any you know words of encouragement and stuff as we work through this whole process of like owning a business like like, like it's still it's so crazy to think about. I never even thought I'd have a business of my own. If you asked me, like, I'd say maybe five years ago. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a good like way to kind of look at. It. I mean, what's the difference, I guess, between like predicting everything that's going to happen in life versus like manifesting it? Because I think that's that's like there's a difference in a sense. Because we can't like know necessarily everything that's going to happen in life, but we can kind of have goals and stuff that we want to work to, and like kind of you know growing up with you know your parents kind of those ideas of manifesting, you know, how did, how has that translated to how you look at the future now? Yeah. And that, yeah. And then with the Swift brand, yeah. How do you, yeah. How do, how do you view that, you know, in, in your own life and how does that affect your perspective on, you know, your future as you know, as you're growing and stuff? I definitely think I take into account knowing that at any point, anything can change. Life throws so much at you. So I think I always just keep that in the back of my mind. But yeah. As I, as I work through this as I go through this work and um, set in motion things that I think will get me closer to my goals, I think it, um, it it starts with speaking out and having just some sort of idea of where I want to go in the short term and in the long term, but just having some idea of what that looks like. Like I could say, I want my business to do well. Mm, they say, you know, with manifestation and and with using the power of like manifestation, you got to be very narrow and very specific about what exactly you want to do. So, you know, I want my business to do well, too broad, but mm, I want my business to touch, you know, 2000 people, you know, their lives in the next two and a half years. That's something that goes a little bit further into it. And it helps me feel, okay, this is something that is, you know, it's timely, it's measurable going back into the smart goals as well. Um, and I kind of use that as a guide too, when I'm like script writing and writing down, okay, like how are all these puzzle pieces going to fit together? That's kind of how I start. But yeah, but with manifestation though, I think it's all about, you know, attracting the types of things that you want to come into your life and being just so confident in knowing that it's gonna, it'll come to you in some form or fashion at some point and saying it almost as matter of fact, like this is going to happen in my life because I know it's coming. And just being confident about it. But then also just still, I think the biggest the biggest thing to keep in mind is that, you know, it can change over time. 
Then once it does, you start over, you reassess, you reevaluate, but then you never lose. The one thing that stays common through all of it is that you never lose the feeling that, you know, this is going to happen. That is the common denominator between all of it and cultivating all these things into your life. And I think that's those are pretty much all the things that I keep in the back of my mind or in the forefront of my mind, actually. Yeah, like you said, like having something to work towards almost in a sense, but not it's like it's not like a dream of just saying like, oh, I'm going to make, you know, it's like oh, I want to be rich and famous, you know, like that's like that's a very, mm-hmm. you know, open, you know, open it is like, OK, but what does that mean? Do you, do you want to like have money? Do you want to be like a famous author? You know, it's like it's nothing. It's not very directed. And I think that's kind of something I can see you talking about is that you yeah. it's almost like you're not really sure where like a it's like you're on a train track, I guess, where it's like, you know, that the train's going forward, mm-hmm. going somewhere. And so yeah. you have an idea of what that's, what's at that station, but you don't know how long that train ride's going to be <laughs> yeah, or something along that line. Yeah. But it is, you, yeah, you're, you are on a, on a path, you know, it's like, because it puts you, it's like, you bought that ticket, you know, you're on that, you're on that train, you're, you're, you're taking that ride and where you stop and kind of where you end up is, you know, that's the kind of life of uncertainty in, in a way that you can't always control or how long it's going to take or how fast, how bumpy, or yep. is there going to be an annoying passenger next to you or not? You know, the car to yourself, you know, all these little things, you know? Yeah, exactly. You got to trust the journey you're on. Exactly. What do you, do you have any, I mean, so kind of on that same thought, do you, do you and your brother kind of have a vision for like Swift enough in the future, like who you hope to, things you want to accomplish or people you want to reach? Is there a vision of what the future might look like uh, for your brand? I'd say one of our biggest goals right now is to grow the platform into this social wellness platform where people, you know, if you want to go and look for stories about wellness, self-care, healing practices, you come to our platform. And that's where you can find and connect um, with people who are engaging in in these types of things. Um, and so with that, you know, we center QT BIPOC in all of our work. Um, we, of course, tell our story and build this brand from a Black lens. And that's very, you know, important for our work as well. But we, you know, have seen QT BIPOC go overlooked and be underinvested from for a very long time. And with that in mind, you know, wellness resources and the knowledge, I don't feel like has touched these communities very much either. So, you know, we're looking to to touch those people, bring them into our community and extend our platform, hold space for people, all walks of life to, you know, come tell their story, share with us and take something from what they see with them and and our hope is hopefully it will positively impact their lives so doing that social impact work is also a function of our work that we hope to be that we hope will be more visible as we grow develop our brand identity and share more resources with our community and so we see it growing into a platform that is for storytelling and for sharing exchanging ideas and, you know, supporting equitable mental health resources. And yeah, and doing so in our own unique way. I think we're still in the learning phases of, you know, what all of that is going to look like. But I think that's where we're headed. Um, it's building community, making sure we're changing the narrative around who gets to be well, 
and making that very visible through the work that we share. And we're just going to hope people gravitate towards us because, you know, like we love y'all and we want y'all to feel good about yourselves and feel like you have community to center yourself around. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you aren't following Swift enough, I'll leave it in the description that I haven't typed yet. Yeah, go give Jerrica and her brother. She has some great stuff and very comfy. Uh, she has some crystals, comfy. Like, what what all do you offer? Like, give, give us a little rundown. You're gonna say you want to make some, you got some dope merch. Yeah, so we got some merch that has like our um, brand's name on it, and you know we have sweatsuits, t-shirts, shorts. Um, so that's more of like the the clothing merch items. And then we also have, you know, products and resources for healing. Um, so we have crystals, herbal cleanses, like sage and palo santo, ethically sourced, of course, all of it. Um, we all have, I mean, me and my brother have personal relationships with our suppliers for all of our products. So we know where it's coming from. We know it's coming from a place of love. Um, and then I think that's it for the most part. Yeah, clothing. Um and then, yeah, crystals, sage, balsanto, am I missing? Oh, oh, we have jewelry. We have jewelry, like necklaces, crystals on it. And yeah, I'm sure we'll probably come out with something else in the future. So stay tuned. That's right. Yeah, follow follow Swift enough so you don't miss anything else. Start your wellness journey right here. I think that's the thing is like also find finding brands, you know, it's like, I know you're not the only brand. I'm not the only podcast doing this. It's like, we can all do it together. And I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, same thing. It's like, there's not just one gym out there. There's how many gyms, you know, how many planet fitnesses there are. I went to one the other day. It was, it was very interesting. I've never been to one. Someone told me that they didn't like going to planet fitness because on Fridays before the pandemic, they went or they sold pizza or they gave out pizza and donuts to people at planet fitness. Fr- yeah. And I was like, like wow, I was like, why? It was like, here you go. Yeah, while they're working out, they're like, "Yeah, now you just worked out here. Have a free pizza and stuff." And I was like, "That's how, that's how they keep the low cost is because they know they keep coming back." I like the reward for a hard workout. I'm like, yeah, give me a greasy cheese pizza. Forget the, the grass, the salads. They <laughs> <laughs> said, like, "Eat that before. Fuel yourself right, uh, then reward yourself after." Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the one thing that took me forever is that you know it's like if I'm working out like every day or even every other day i can eat a cookie or i can eat you know it's like you don't gotta like starve yourself or rip yourself of the joys of life enjoy that cake enjoy that cheesecake i love cheesecake that's delicious hell yes last couple of things i want to talk about was with your brand how do you think we view mental health you know what are we getting right and what are we getting wrong you know from what from what you've seen and you know how did that translate into your brand of where you're kind of because it seems like you're kind of filling in the gaps of where you know in your experience it seems to be lacking whether it be resources or awareness or just even letting people know that there's a community of other people out there with similar issues mm-hmm. yeah i think we definitely saw at the start of the pandemic the whitewashing of the wellness industry. Um, I myself could do a little bit more history and research about, you know, what, you know, what the historical historical background of the wellness industry is and where these healing practices come from. You know, I see a lot of, you know, white women holding up sage talking about, I'm so well, like it's awesome. But, you know, when we're talking about promoting equity and inclusion in all these other industries, the wellness industry isn't exempt from that. 
I think the recognition of, you know, these healing practices as they relate to black and brown, you know, communities, that's something that we need to be talking about a lot more because it helps give a more holistic view of like where this stuff comes from. And I think there's when it comes from that good place, I think more people are able to be well because the information will be given to those who need it the most. And so I think we definitely do a better job at bringing in more black and brown communities into the wellness space and having, you know, those equitable mental health solutions be the forefront of the work too. Because like we said, like we know there's a stigma around mental health in, you know, for example, the black community and that it's been there for a while. But like, why has it been there? Not at the fault of our own, but because of, you know, historical patterns and practices embedded into the community that made us believe that our mental health wasn't important. Like we were, it was beaten into us, you know, some false pretenses of the Bible, you know, back in, in slavery, let's say, you know, you can pray it all away and that my God, this is right. And, you know, it all, it all stems and connects together. So I think it is on change makers within the wellness industry to bring in these voices and highlight and, and amplify and lift black and brown people when they share their stories of mental struggle and, you know, cast down any doubters and naysayers that believe that depression isn't a real thing and that you can pray away your demons like your you know your the the negative thoughts in your head like that's just not I feel like that's something that was forced upon us before we even had the chance to claim it ourselves and claim and like actually speak to what it truly is so I think we could do a better job of just having more people speak up on these things and that's something that we're trying to do at Swift Enough too and it's you know, why we try to highlight black and brown folks leaning into self-care because they need to see it in order to be like, yeah, there's people that look like me that are doing these things. I know they've always been doing them, but small in number and not as visible as I guess the other, I don't know if I should name names, but uh, other um, companies and stuff that will plaster a black face on their Instagram all last minute um, to say that, you know, well, this is for everyone, but like it needs to be long lasting and it has to be, you know, online and offline. Like, are you communicating to even younger black and brown people like around your community about like what mental health um, is and what it can look like to actually engage in self-care practices and like starting at the fundamentals and, and inviting you know, it, I think it starts at a young age, inviting those younger people into the mix and bringing them into the mix earlier than later. But changing, and that's how I feel like the industry changes as a whole and actually promotes equity within the wellness industry. That was beautiful. That was such a beautiful answer. I think that's, that's important because I know that unless, you know, you grow up in that kind of environment, it is kind of hard to kind of, you know, find like, like you were talking about earlier, your group or that core group of people that you identify with that you can relate to in a lot of sense, you know, I know, like growing up, I know that my parents did a, a great job of putting me and my sister, even though I grew up in West Virginia, which is a very country state, <laughs> uh, you know, coal miners and stuff, you know, not not too many, you know, we're not the biggest Latin population. Despite that, though, my parents did make an extremely good effort of making sure that me and my sister never were in an environment where we were the only brown person. Because they, because my dad turned down a couple jobs because he knew Elkview 
um, is a very, not, not as a diverse as Charleston or Morgantown, you know, some of the bigger cities where there's just a lot more people. It's a bigger city and stuff. And a lot of rural or counties in West Virginia, they knew that if me and my sister went there, we'd either be the most popular kid or we get the crap beat out of us every day. <laughs> to that point, I will say it did make me a little bit unaware of kind of some of the things like that, that you were talking about that, you know, I, I knew about it, but in a sense of it was shielded from me because my parents put me in those environments. And then so I had to learn about it. It was like, oh, the world's not all friendly like I grew up when I realized, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I, I told, I always, I don't get the whole like, the different or the problem with same-sex marriage because the church that I grew up in was it was Methodist and it was very very open like I knew there was a there was a couple Brendan Linda who were Brendan Linda before I even knew what puberty was before I even knew what sex was I didn't even all I knew was that they were in love and they were in couple your church like affirmed their relationship yeah I mean well no and that, that was the thing is that my church like they they were not the only gay couple it was just normal like a lot of adopted families and stuff like that and so it was just like I did you know I, I can't thank my parents enough for putting me in that place because I think that's why I'm able to relate to some people and be so open because at the same because growing up me me and my sister looked different than my parents and I just I knew that I always wanted to be treated with the same respect so I always try to reciprocate that respect to other people when I'm talking to them because I know that my family was different. I know that I'm different because I'm adopted. So if I want people to treat me with respect, I try, I want to give that to other people. I want to try to show people that I'm respecting you as a person just as I hope that you'll respect me because I'm I'm different or adopted. Depending on, like, like I said, where you grow up, it was like that was my childhood experience of like growing up and stuff. And But like as I'm learning is that not not everyone gets that opportunity of being so open, you know I mean? And yeah, but, but it is. And I guess that's another point that I'm trying to illustrate is that, you know, when you do let people like, you know, of new ideas or different backgrounds, there's like, you can learn a lot. Like, I mean, the world is, the world is huge and everyone has so many different perspectives. You don't think that anyone, like no one could teach you anything. You know what I mean? Like you want to stay in your small group forever. Like, even networking, you remember when we went, like, just how many people, how many different types of personalities did we meet when we went to that workshop when we came to Oklahoma? So many. Like, that was crazy exposure, too, for me. I was like, wow, like, all these amazing people that have been traveling around the world, you know, for the past, like, you know, 10 to 15 years. And they're, you know, young in their careers, but they already knew so much about the world and, and how they exist in it, you know? So... Yeah, it's amazing what can happen when you allow yourself to take in new information. And, and I think something really good that I've been seeing is like when you learn something new, like taking that information and being comfortable with changing your opinion on something. I've been seeing more people say that. I'm like, that is awesome. Like if you didn't know very much and then you learn something new and you're like, hmm, okay, that makes sense. Like it's okay to go back and be like, oh yeah, I changed my mind. That's fine. That's all about learning. Let's normalize it's okay to change your opinion, you know? I don't, it, there's nothing wrong with No one wants to ever admit they're being wrong, but you can change your opinion if you learn new information. No problem with that. Yep. And what do you think, I mean, do you think having conversations like this or even just how we like talk about it amongst ourselves will kind of help normalize this, you know, talking about mental health? Because I mean, again, it's not like, I don't think we've, we've talked about anything that heavy here, like anything more than just our lives and experiences. Yeah. I think it starts with conversations like this and like even with your friends and when you are going through something, if you do feel comfortable, you know, sharing that and having conversations where you feel like, 
you know, I can trust this person. I can, I can share with them that I'm going through something and be real about it. And I think a lot of things, a lot of good things can come from conversations like that. And, and I think that's what's helping, helping the normalization of topics of mental health and finding help when you need it. And, you know, just loving on yourself as much as you can, because we only have like, truly only have like ourselves, you know, um, but we do also have a, commu- a wider community that can be there to help you too. And I think more people are going to realize that through having conversations like this. And I hope, you know, more and more people are having conversations like this one, you know, all across the globe, especially at our age. I mean, it's really awesome seeing people around our age like caring about it um, and not feeling, not brushing it off as something like as though they don't need to pay attention to um, because it affects us all. Even if, you know, like how you described earlier, even if you don't feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel or like really down and out, you know, even if it's something where you just went through a traumatic event or you lost someone or, or a friend just went through a hardship and you're feeling their emotions, like that's stuff to talk about. And yeah, I really enjoy our conversation um, about mental health and, and tackling all this because it's like therapy for me, honestly. When you talk about something, you, like I said, you kind of get out of your head and you realize like when you say something out loud, you're like, wait, it, wait, that's all it was? Like, it, you know what I mean? It's just like, you, like the thought becomes so, it's just like, it, it's just a thought. It's not reality. It's not, And what is, your thoughts are not reality. What is time? What is reality? We're all literally balls of matter floating around and uh, doing our best. That's what I've been saying to everyone. I'm like, aren't we just doing our best? Some people will say no. And I'm like, <laughs> the last thing I want to ask you, and this is your, this is your motivation. Cause I can tell you're fired up. If someone wanted to start their own small business, they, and they were scared, didn't think they could do it. What advice would you give them? What would you tell them right now? If someone wanted to start a small business. I, it's like, I have an idea. I have an idea, but I don't know where to start. I don't think I can make it. I don't think it's good enough. What would you tell them? do it <laughs> I, I just honestly say just like two words just like do it even if you feel like you don't have everything lined up perfectly just do it test it out see how it goes just because you start something doesn't mean you have to like necessarily keep going with the exact same ideas you can always tweak edit revise <laughs> and um keep marching forward but like if you have an idea like i mean own that idea and go forward and knowing that, you know, it's originally yours and it can be whatever you want it to be. And, um, yeah, I'll just say do it. Like, it's easier said than done. I get it. But like, I mean, you did it. I mean, yeah, you did it. It was like yeah, a year ago you launched, you know, you launched this brand. Now you're like over a year into it. I mean, think about that where it's just like, and it goes by fast. Exactly. So, and, um, Things won't necessarily be the exact same as they were when you first started, but um, as you go, you'll figure out what you want. But the hardest part with everything is just like literally just started. And the good thing about social media, you know, you can take it down, you can delete it. Uh, if it's a if it is a digitally based company, um, or if it's something where it's like um, a side hustle sort of thing, you're like making something, you're supplying something. You know what? Like figure out your figure out your why. And if you feel like your why is like good enough, just do it. Just start it. Oh my gosh, Nike. <laughs> this is not sponsored by Nike. Um, yeah, just like get into it. Send me your stuff. 
like if you start your business, please send it to me. I will help share word of mouth, you know, lean into your community and um, get feedback from, from your loved one and see what they think of it too. But I think that's probably the biggest advice I have is like time's passing by, clicking by, don't leave any regrets and start something that you love and you'll figure it out along the way. That's so true. You know, you just, you know, so we're not suing or so, so Nike doesn't sue us. Just do the damn thing. Yeah. Everyone, this has been a fantastic interview. I want to thank Jerica so, so much for being here and agreeing to be on my podcast. Go give her a follow. I'll leave her Instagram down there, but also go check out Swift Enough. Like it's a great brand. Be a part of the community. Do it at your own pace, but start your healing process. It takes, it just takes one step, you know, recognizing it. And I promise you, Jerrica's community is by far one of the best out there. They're welcoming, they're open-minded, and they're awesome. They're dope. So definitely go check them out if you are someone who needs something new in their life, some positivity even, you know, just go, you know, go support. But thank you all uh, for another episode of Your Thoughts First. Hey guys, if you made it to the end of this episode, thanks so much. I appreciate everyone who listens to these episodes. I really hope that they're helping in a lot of ways. And again, I'm going to be hopefully putting out more content other than this podcast soon. So keep a lookout on our social media on Instagram. And I'm working on getting a Facebook and YouTube channel set up. So yeah, thanks for joining me for another episode of Your Thoughts First. Remember to check in on yourself and I'll see you next time.